1: and shop for anything outdoors. When you make a purchase from the Go Wild store, everything is free shipping. Anything that you purchase anywhere in the country, no matter how big, free shipping. So go down to the show notes, click on the Go Wild link at the bottom, and get signed up today. And let's go wild. If y'all purchase anything from Go Wild, make sure that you're using the Houndsman XP promo code. And that code is going to be HXP10. So when you go in there and you download your cart, and you come up to the the bottom and it says promo code, add Houndsman XP to it. On this episode of The Journey, we are going back to Maine. It's a great state and I seem to like it up there. Got a lot of people with a lot of dog knowledge. So we're going to be back with Jason Carter today. And if you guys remember, it's been a couple a couple weeks, maybe a month or so ago, had him on. He's a NAVDA judge, um, NADKC member. He's a director of youth development, the secretary of NAVDA, youth committee, the clinic leader. And he is a trainer at Mary Meeting Kennels. And guys, if you go to Upland Project and pull up, the ready on the top tab pull up read and then you can go in and look at the articles and if you scroll down you'll see several articles from several different authors i have found all these these articles to be very um, very good articles um, and then you you can click on jason and then when you click on him it'll pull up all of his articles so i was just sitting here going through a bunch uh... before i got him on the horn and we are actually going to touch on some of these articles cause they're so good. I don't want to pass them up. And I know I'm aggravating him to death by bringing him on all the time. But when you have somebody with, um, this much experience and knowledge and trains the hulks, basically for a living, you want to get, you want to get every ounce of, um, information from him. You can. So Jason, how's things up your way this evening?
0: A little snowy up here. We got a, uh, another storm coming through, uh, storms this week so we have uh, plenty of shoveling and plowing to do um but things are going well
1: how are you i'm good um it's raining here so we don't have no snow um it's been cold last two days uh it's been cold so haven't done a lot today i've i'm just trying to catch up from from being in vegas i'm telling you man it was a that was a great trip met so many good people um like it, it was just off the chart with the people and the how nice they were and forthcoming and accommodating I, it was it was beyond my expectations but i'm still trying to flip times like i'm still yeah. back and forth with the time change but yeah that's what i'm doing well, that's great that's great <clears throat> a lot. do you have any <laughs> schools or anything going on right now or are you just piddling
0: uh, right now we have, uh, this is kind of our off season. We're still finishing off rabbit season, hunting season. So we're, we haven't really kicked into dog training yet.
1: Oh, well, let's just kick it off with that right there. Because last time we had you on, we talked about the tough decision to breed. And, yeah. um, as I've been thinking about this, is this has been on my mind for a while and I'm trying to, I'm trying to work it out in my head. How come we miss out as hunter, as hound hunters and hound owners, uh, and let's just say dog train. Let's just say dogs, any sport dog, no matter what it is, it could be bird dogs, bear dogs, coon dogs, line dogs. You know, um, retriever. It doesn't matter. Let's just say any type of sport dog that you're using. If you're not a professional trainer or an experienced trainer. One thing that I have noticed is the lack of a plan. Does that make sense?
0: For sure, for sure. We see it quite a bit in in, in our realm.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, and I was thinking about this on on, on my flight back home. That's kind of when it was, you know, kind of gearing up in my head. And I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta work mm-hmm. on this. But like, if I'm doing a detection school. Like I, have, like, I have a lesson plan to go by. You know, I go step one, dog has to be, you know, i got to test his hunt drive, and then I go to step one, which is imprinting him on odor. And we like to get about 1,000 reps, which is small because we want to hit that 5,000 mark, but due to time, I try to do 1,000 reps on each odor. And I start with the hardest odor first, and I break the hardest odor down by the chemical compounds in that odor. And how many compounds the dog has to be able to pick up to recognize that it is an odor of whatever narcotic, which happens to be cocaine. So, I go through that step and that process. Some dogs, I can zip right through it in a week or two. And then other dogs, I'm in it for a month. But I understand that it's a part of the process. I understand that if I rush this step one, which is my foundation, I'm... I'm going to be hurting myself later on down the road. And as I thought about this, I'm like, okay, if I'm, if I'm out here training my hounds, what is it that I need to be doing in an alphabetical order? So I need to, I spend a lot of my time with my pups. Um, I'm a big believer. I mean, I get them loading and leading and coming to me and just good behaviors is what I'm working on as they're small. And then you know, I go to the, the, I start switching their environments and we all know that environments are huge. Um, most of our dogs fell out of the, the law enforcement side because of environmental issues, not because they don't have the driver, they want to, a lot of it's the issue, the environmental issues. So I, we start switching environments and then we put them on the game that we want them to chase. And then, you know, I continue those steps. And if I have a problem, I've got plan B, C, D, E, F, G, whatever. And exactly. if that dog doesn't learn by that particular method, then I have been fortunate enough and blessed enough to be around people at, like yourself that have taught me, okay, Heath, wait a second. There's more than one ways to do this. You know, there's, there's 10,000 ways to train a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like as, as dog owners in the sport world, whatever that may be, That we need to start formulating plans and we need to see those plans through. Because if we don't, then we're shortcoming of our dogs and it's gonna tell when they get to of age. Yeah. What's your thought process on that?
0: Well, as far as plans go, you know, I mean, dogs aren't cookie cutters. You can't you can't engineer and we all wanna engineer a plan. You know, week one, we do this week, two, we do this week, three, we do that. And if that doesn't work out, then what, you know, think about like a new trainer and someone just, just getting on board. There's not a whole lot of tools in that toolbox. You know, it's, it's what they're told. So if that dog doesn't fall into that, that perfect situation um, they're lost. And so what I always encourage folks to do is always train as if the wheels are going to come off. You know, let's say this doesn't work. Okay, you, you, you do have a plan. You went, you did your work, you, you studied up. Um, I would encourage you to follow one system of training. Uh, the YouTube trainer um, will struggle and is not very effective. But if you can find at least one one method to follow, um, you'll be far better off than trying to do three or four different methods that contradict one another.
1: Yes, but, yeah, yes that's big time. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, follow that system, um, um, that that works for your philosophies, and and, but when you're training, you want to train as if um, something's going to go wrong, and then have it in in at the ready for when it does. If you're not, you should be surprised that the dog does it correctly. That's how ready you are. I mean, <laughs> if you had a if you had a set of keys in your hand, and you drop those set of keys, that's about as much time as you have to mark a good behavior or mark a bad behavior. It, after that, then, then thought processes go in the dog's head and they may, may not bridge that information and that learning. So it really, it's really super important that when you're training, you have to catch yourself not to give that correction, not to give that marker um, because the dog did it correctly. That's how ready you need to be in your training. And it's super important to have a plan put together and have those resources available prior to even getting the dog so a lot of times a breeder um when you do get a dog from a breeder the they'll either like for us we 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 set up a, a year's worth of training for for each of our puppies mm-hmm. uh, try, just to get them going but the breeder will have resources normally will have resources for you to reach out to um to follow that whatever whatever um type of training you want to do and it, it'd be important to to just stick with that those resources, but have those resources at the ready. You're gonna need you're gonna need that information, and and you. I mean, we all study up ahead of time, try to get um, trainers like yourself, and try to get involved in those classes to kind of kind of gear us towards it. But you've seen the final product. Um, someone right out of the box, that's not the case. They don't. They may not have that information. They they, they may not know where they're going. They know where they're going for the next month what they should be doing for that age of of the dog but they may not know where where they're going in the end so i'd encourage um, a lot of a lot of folks to just see what a finished dog looks like because then your intuition can kick in Mm -hmm. you'd be like the dog's doing this okay i need to change gears i need to change direction i know what to do but if you don't know where you're going you have to rely on that cookie cutter approach so again Mm -hmm. I, i would really encourage folks at just to see what a finished dog looks like and then you can start tweaking that as as time goes on
1: yeah i mean and i'm just sitting here you know i'm visualizing the stuff that you're telling me and you know i think that's one of the things that set me up for um having a little you know a little bit more success out of the gate is i was able to hunt with an older gentleman that had really 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 good dogs And, you know, then my expectations was riding off of his shirt tails, which, you know, I don't know that I've ever caught those, those quality of dogs yet, but I'm always striving for it. Um, He set the bar. Yes, yes, he he did. And, you know, again, back to what, what, what we were talking about, like, yeah, I mean, you've got to have a plan in place. You've got to be able to, um, you know, navigate through it. I mean, dogs, like you said, dogs are not cookie cutters. And I've got to know that if this goes wrong, okay, well, I can, I can do this. And if that don't work, then, you know, I can tweak it here a little bit here and a little bit there. And having people around you that has, you know, that knowledge and experience is, is invaluable. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Yeah, we do a lot of networking with, with folks and trying to get together and working together because when you when you especially if, if if within your own litters, if you can get those folks together, they they can see where they, where each each other are at. They may the dogs individually may not follow the same time frame, but they're going to be pretty close. And it kind of keeps keeps folks um, um, interested, keeps them inspired to keep going and, and to keep working their dogs. You know, we're all given Ferraris for dogs you know we want we want to we need to learn how to drive those things mm-hmm. okay and and a lot of times you know depending on um the discipline you're following it, it it takes a lot of work to get where you're going and so to have those those networks of folks around you to to kind of help you along is 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 important yeah
1: yeah so yeah I was just thinking about that on my flight but well I've been thinking about it for a while like you know how do I get to this point and I see others struggling and you know or how did I get to this point and I really just kind of yeah, um one of the guys said it just seems it comes natural for you Heath like it just comes natural well for me I feel like a lot of it is again I've been blessed with people around me that's that's mentored and coached and helped me and I when I go into training dogs now like I've already I've already got that that in my head, okay, I've got to get through this step before I can even try to go to this Mm -hmm. step. And, you know, the 20 year old me was in a rush.
0: Yeah, exactly right.
1: I wanted it done now. And (laughs) today I'm not in a rush. I'm looking at the overall, the finished product, just like Mm -hmm. you said, I'm looking at the finished product. And I know that if I take my time and I use due diligence that it's going to be successful and it's going to be a pleasure to be around. It's going to be my partner and my my buddy and it's going to cause my blood pressure to stay down yep. and all the things that come with having um, an enjoyable hunt and enjoyable time out in the woods with your dogs. And as I've gotten older, it's become more important to me.
0: Right. You have two seasons. You You have hunting season and you have getting ready for hunting season. That's right you know, and the dogs love to be worked and, and the more you can do it, the the, the better off you'll be.
1: Yep. Right. That's exactly yeah. right. That's right. So, yeah, I just want to touch base with you on that because like I said, it's been on my mind and I mean, I feel like, you know, training dogs the way you do that you always go into, you always start your training prepared to know what, what you need to do and where you need to get to. Um, Jason, I was reading some of your other articles and I'm just gonna start off with we, we're gonna finish up. The goal here is to talk about the five mental states of in dog training. And that's gonna be very important because two of the dogs that I have, we're gonna talk about them when you get to, to breaking this down. Sure. Um, but one of the one of the articles, you just talked about it. You talked about understanding timing in dog training and yeah. like you said, you got about two seconds and that's it. And you
0: gotta prepare your head. You got to you got to be in the game. You have to be diligent about looking at the dog and understanding what it's telling you. You know, a lot a lot of us get caught up in the moment. You know, who's around us, what's going on. Um, if it's a hunting scenario, you may be more into the hunting scenario than what's what's happening with your dog. So if you're not there in the moment, there's no way you can have the right timing. And if you're not there with with how to deal with what you're seeing, then you're gonna you're 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 not gonna have any any um, learning. Because the, the dog, you're not going to be able, you're not going to be ready with with that tool when you need it.
1: Yeah, and one of the one of the things you was, ta- you, you was talking about, and I'm going to skip articles, but I'm I'm going to talk about the timing. You talk yep. one of your articles. You was talking about training the character of your dog because all dogs yeah. are different. And you right. said that right about the time that you start bragging or boasting on your dog in front of your buddies or friends, yeah, yeah, they gonna make a fool out of you. <laughs>
0: A hundred percent. I can tell you that for a...
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, man, I tell them when my dogs open up, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. They run a coyote. That way, if they if they, if they they're run a coyote, I, I'm not lying to anybody. I'm not letting them down. <laughs> right, right. They can only go up from there, right? Yeah. Uh, no. But go back to the timing when you was talking about that. Um, and the reason I wanna I wanted to bring that in is because our emotions... Yeah. We get, our egos get in the way and we mm-hmm. make bad decisions during that process. Um, yeah. we let our emotions override us. And I mean, I'm guilty. Like I can raise my hand, sit in the front row. Cause this, that's been me. Um, yep. I'm more aware of it now.
0: Fire. Cause we all, we all are invested in our ducks to the point where emotions can get in the way.
1: Yeah. 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 But, you know, that your emotions play a big part of that timing. And like you said, and it's I mean, perfect. that's a very good statement you made about you've got to be in the moment and you've got to understand yep. what needs to happen during that moment.
0: Yep. Yep. And the, and and you can't be in your head. You got You got to be reacting to what the dog is telling. Yes. Because it's not always going to align with what your plan is like. This dog's going to be perfect. There's not going to be a problem. And then, oh, my God, there's a problem. And then you, 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 you get set back in your training yeah. because you weren't ready for that moment when it appeared and you got, you got to be, you got to just mentally be watching that dog and understanding what it's telling you.
1: Yep. <clears throat> Which brings me to another article and we started into it and I was like, no, 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 wait, we got, we're going to talk about this later is the food, the training, the treats.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And you know, you, so just go into that because when you brought up yep. your dad, it like hit home yep. for me in 2005. For sure. When we
0: first started training, um, you know, when I was a kid, um, you know, you didn't use treats, you know, dogs are supposed to do what you tell them to do. You know, mm-hmm. we're too many treats. And so, um, point probably about 20 years ago, my mother came on board. She started training and she started bringing out the treats and started, she went through obedience school and they were using treats there. So she introduced it and suddenly her dog was beyond his dog. <laughs> So he started looking a little sideways at her and, and, you know, he put his ego to the side and started giving it a run. And to this day, he's, you know, early training is, is, is tree training, you know, imprinting those puppies to, to, to love what they're doing and to pair with you. Right.
1: And it's a positive association. You know, I I know I brought that up on this pod on, on the podcast numerous times that anytime you can reinforce that with a positive,
0: Mm -hmm. it only
1: builds stronger and stronger, stronger behaviors.
0: The phrase we use a lot is a dog that wants to work is acts far differently than a dog that has to.
1: So yes. So I want to go back to 2005. That's when I started my canine career in law enforcement. And the first dog that I had was a yellow lab, and I just done nar- I only done narcotics and tracking with him. And I was told by the trainer at that time we put a choke collar on him, and I had to do obedience. And if the dog didn't make the right hand turn, pop pop pop, you know, you give them the the command correction command and you made them do it. And I asked about food then. Even though I was absolutely illiterate when it come to dog training that way. I'm like, "Well, why do we don't why don't we use food?" Oh, we don't do that. We don't do that. That dog can't have food um treats or anything because he's a he's a narcotics dog and he has to smell narcotics and the first treats in the car, then we can't have him alerting to that. Right, right. So we were we I was taught, probably, you know, your dad's way, way beyond me, but it was compulsion, which means you make the dog do what you want him to do. Yep. And when I started into my second dog, he had already he had a previous handler that was sent to a school. They used the same methodology. And I always didn't... I never liked the dogs with the ears pinned back and you could see more white in their eyes. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what I'm saying. Yep. And I never liked that look, but I didn't understand enough about it at the time to really know better.
0: Right.
1: And then in 2013... um, started going to the, the classes and the seminars and had numerous trainers. And that's that's when I really learned the difference in classical conditioning and operant conditioning and the four quadrants of the operant conditioning. And
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Laz Cabrero from PSDK9 was the first class that I sat in. And Laz was all about using food. And I'm telling you, man, his dogs – perked up, ears forward. I mean, that tail was wagging. They couldn't They couldn't perform the task fast enough.
0: Exactly. It's I mean, drive-based. Yes. You're, you're, the dog, the dog is, is working in drive. It's doing what it wants, but it's doing what it loves to do. Yeah. And, you know, early imprinting is you teach it to love
1: what you want it to do. Yes. So when I seen that, I mean, you could have probably jerked me out of a chair. And it would. I mean, I, I mean— It was an eye-opening of experience for me, and I've never looked back. Yeah, never looked back. We we go as far
0: as um, we don't put bowls of food down for our dogs as puppies. You know, um, if if a dog is food-driven enough, where it just loves to eat um, and will use eat eat its own kibble, mm -hmm. then we we don't we we train our our bowls because that dog is waking up in the morning hungry and wanting that food desperately. And so that just creates that 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 right that attitude that strong drive to do whatever you ask it to do. Mm-hmm. And so for 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 a few months of his life, we 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 don't we don't put a bowl down for the duck.
1: Yeah, I'm, I mean I'm with you. Even with my hounds, I do I do the same thing. Or if I do put a bowl down, it's for a jackpot. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. So I mean I, I'm I'm on the same page with you, Jason. I I firmly believe in that. Um, you know, dog's got to have food to survive and when he's wanting to work for food, you can just about get him to do anything. Yep. Um, and it's a, it's a great tool. It's a great tool to start a solid foundation, just like your mom was doing years ago.
0: Yep. Yep. So just creates that relationship of, of, that working relationship that you want the dog to have, you know, you, you want that independence, but at the same time you want, you want the dog to understand and, and want to work for you.
1: Hmm. Yep. Is Yep. And a lot. You know, they have to understand the task. That's something that people. That's where you said that you've got to understand where you're at at the moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that that goes into reading your dogs and what you touched on earlier, where um, you let the dog lead instruction. You let dog lead the the program that you're following. Um It let it go at its pace not your pace. When you start overpressuring dogs, then you're stealing exactly what we're talking about. You're stealing that drive, that want. Yeah. And you can find, find, find that you're, you're in trouble. You're going to, you're going to miss out on some some important aspects of your training. You know, great trainers don't have holes, you know, good trainer, you know, good trainers, you know, can, can, can back up and fix problems, but great trainers just don't have them because they allow the dog to take its time and to, to, um, you train at its pace.
1: Do you ever, and I had this conversation today with a good friend of mine. Do you ever let the dog do self discovery?
0: Um, for sure. You're saying like, um,
1: um, yeah, we were talking about working out problems and yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, and through my experience, letting the dog work that pro and even if it takes it two or three trips to the woods, um, Letting that dog figure that problem out without my assistance makes a stronger dog.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe something we have in, in common would be um, when you take that puppy out for, for some of his first walks and allowing that puppy to maybe not whistle to that puppy, allow it to use its nose and track you and find you. Mm-hmm. You know, using that early nose work and teaching that dog, you know, don't, don't show it out of the box quite yet. Let it, let it have to use its brain. And let let it have to 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 think it through and create that that type of learning where the dog has to figure it out on its own
1: yeah and back to the to the treats about sure. about what age um what age do you guys start yours with that for for
0: us because we have bird dogs is you know once once the reinforcer like obedience we can do that for the life of the dog but mm-hmm. whatever um we're not going to carry. Into the woods with us because those trees don't matter when there's birds around. Right, um, when the game is out there, when the prey drive is up, um, those trees really don't matter. So we 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 start fading them um, probably right around six months of age when we start introducing um, um, them to birds. We'll 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 start putting the trees away. We call it fading. Mm-hmm. So so you're you're melding um, throughout your training. Um, we start with continuous, re- well, not to get in the weeds, but we start with continuous reinforcement, which is to retreat for every good action as a puppy. That's right. And then we move into intermittent reinforcement, which is far more powerful because now the dog wants, and it's like, Oh, I didn't get it this time. How do I get it? And so the dog starts working it a little bit harder with intermittent reinforcement. And so sometimes it's a treat. Sometimes it's praise. It's touch. It's a verbal, a verbal praise, a marker. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we if it, probably right around six months of age, that treat becomes a little less important, mm-hmm. but we're, we're treating it you know, as far as obedience throughout, um, mm-hmm. just to keep that obedient, making them crisp and keep it, keep it working probably for the life of the dog, you know, here and there. But, but for the, for, as far as the fading process, right around six months, we start fading the treats.
1: When do you start with that? Like. Do you start them as soon as they get weaned off the mother? Do you start them at 10, 12 weeks? What, what age do you really start that food stuff with them? The journey on Houndsman XP has teamed up with One TDC, This dual action support for oral health and mobility in our dogs. This unique supplement is so effective that it is recommended by top veterinarian experts worldwide to maintain and improve our dog's Health in four different areas their oral health, hips, joints, and muscles, skin, coat, energy, and recovery. Guys, I've been using this product for the last six months and it has been a game changer for me. If you're looking for something to help with the overall health of your dog, go to worksowell.com and give this product a try. It is highly recommended by Houndsman XP here on The Journey.
0: Oh, um, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, as far as puppies go in in the litters, um, we'll, we'll, we'll put trails of treats out for the puppies to follow and feed themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, (laughs) we, we start in the bowl, but then eventually we'll, we'll just spread it out into the grass or into the snow or whatever, and let the dogs start finding it on their own. So they're starting to do that nose work early on. And then, um, um, before they go home, you know, we're, we're we're using our whistle commands with the pups, mm-hmm. and when they there's a bowl of food right there for them. Yep. So now, now we're working on recall. That's that's all. We do a lot of that leg work before they even get to their home.
1: Yeah. Well, and there's no better time to do it. I mean, you're you're shaping that puppy so young that he don't know anything else.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, their 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 basic survival instincts are to follow food. You know, follow you for safety. And so you're just using what it's doing naturally.
1: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <clears throat> and I. I mean, I. I'm kind of doing this. I do the same thing you do. I mean, I. I start my puppies out doing the same thing. They got to use that nose to to find their food, and we're you know we're working them on different um, different levels, different surfaces. Load, you know, yep. they when they're big enough to jump in the truck, I put a platform up for them so they can get up in the back of the truck and feed them. Yeah, same same process, same same thing. So, well, Jason, let's get into the kind of you know what we was going to talk about, and you know I've got like I said, I've got two dogs that I'm going to talk about some of this. You wrote an article um, for Project Upland, and guys, if you want to read his articles, there's plenty of them in there. You just got to go to Project Upland and hit read, and they'll pop up. But you wrote this article. It's been a couple years ago. Um, the mental state of of your you and your dog can make the difference in training between f- success and failure. Yep. Yeah. So let's let's talk <clears throat> about the five the five different stages that you wrote about. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to put this out there right now. Like I have I've got a I'm, I've got a Mally right now that's going through the The process of detection work. He's just started just getting him imprinted. And he is so jacked up when you get a toy out. Like he he almost gets bug-eyed. He looks like the cartoon character that gets bug-eyed and the tongue comes out and he can't cu- quit slobbering. Um, And I will not let the handler work him until this dog relaxes and is calm. So let's talk about the calm dog and how he learns.
0: Um, backing up just a little bit, uh, I, I, I learned these from, uh, as mentioned before, I'm a teacher and we had a behaviorist come in and they were talking about, um, how the different learning styles of children and how, um, depending on what's going on in their lives, how that affects learning for them, you know? And I, you know, I'm like, okay, another behaviorist, here we go. And then he started talking I'm like, well, that, that really pertains to dog training. Wow. And you know, I realized that behavior is behavior. It doesn't matter where, where, what, what you're training, or or either a person or a dog. It's the same stuff. So it was. I very, I got very attuned to what he was saying, and and he went over the, these five different types of learning. I mean, um, um, emotional states that um, kids get into. And, and I realized that those are the exact same emotional states I've seen in class, and so that's that's where that's where it all originated and You know you talked about a calm dog, and a calm dog is one that that learns seamlessly it's in and uh, a word that you know rings true and something that everyone should really focus on is balance. We always want to keep our dogs in a certain level of balance, and when our dog is out of balance or we're out of balance it throws our dog training off and, and you have to back up, but a, a dog that's calm, um, learns seamlessly. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> one, one of the situations that happened to me is I was at a sportsman show. We were doing dog demos there and I was going around to the different vendors bend, around lunchtime. And, uh, I was talking to them and, and throughout, throughout, you know, my dog is very calm, relaxed, very stoic kind of dog. And she, You know, she would be sitting there and she'd get bored every once in a while and, and stand up and walk off and sniff somebody or something. And then I would tug her, bring her in. She'd sit down. I I had treats in my pocket. I gave her a treat. And, uh, throughout the day without even realizing it, I taught my dog that if it walked to the end of that leash, (laughs) it's going to get a treat. I was, I was a silly Pez dispenser all day long. And to this day, if she's sitting long enough, she will pull back to the end of that, that leash and um try to get a treat from me especially if i have treats in my pocket so um it was just a real real real, um eye-opener for me like those calm dogs learn and when they when they learn they learn forever you know especially when they want to do something so that that calm mindset when you're is what you're after you you do your most of your leg work in that when a dog is is Feeling comfortable and relaxed. And and that happens because you're comfortable and relaxed. If you're if you're alert, you know, I mean, our dogs sit there and look at us all day long. They they know the moment we have any type of emotion before we know it. So if if you're if you're training in in and, and you're frustrated, the dog's gonna change states. And in these five states, the dogs bounce back and forth all the time. It's kind of fun. Um when we're in class a lot of times if, if i'm if i'm heading the class or my father's heading the class the other the other person walks around and looks at the dogs and and you can always see like the the, the dogs shifting back and forth they'll connect maybe two alpha males will look at each other there might be that growl or they'll stand taller puff their chests out um but there you can watch the dogs and the handlers go through those five phases you know of of Oh, don't, don't call on me. I'm not going to raise my hand. I'm going to step back. I'm not going to make eye contact, you know? Um, And the dog's doing it too, you know, and it's, and it's really fun to watch. Uh, I'm fortunate enough that we do have group classes where we can handle a lot of dogs and see those types of behaviors. So that those, those folks have done their homework and we talked about having a plan, those folks that have a plan and know what they're doing for that class no, they're calm. They're sitting there. They're ready to go. And that dog knows exactly what it's doing. It's sitting there calm. And and so whenever, whenever we, we present them with something, the dog is ready for that learning and the, and they're bomb proof. They're self-assured, unflappable, they're stoic. They're ready for that learning and they take in that information and, you know, and it creates a really nice learning environment for, for, for both the handler and that dog because they're successful, mm-hmm. you know, and, palm dog is is you know talking about success you know if i try to go with a four to one rule if that dog is failing one time out of four but has three successful trials i'm kind of, i'm on the right track you know or more but but if the dog is failing more than succeeding and you're trying to push the dog well then you're going to change it, it, its mental state and you might go to you might you know even go to fear or even terror um but the calm dog. Talking about a calm dog. A calm dog is one that that's that's ready for learning. It it, it will pick up information very very quickly.
1: Yeah. Well, and the Europeans told told me this probably about the same time you wrote this article. Maybe yeah, somewhere around there, at 18, at 2018, 19, You know, clear heads prevail. Yeah. And that they they were They were really harsh on um, their training method with with that. Like. The dog needs to be calm. He needs to be in a calm state. And, mm-hmm. you know, ever since then, like, it's resonated with me. Um, and when i seen your article, I'm like, ah, yep, he's got it. Yeah, <clears throat> so, you know, one,
0: one in the NADKC, one of the um, tests that we have to do is called VEASAN. And the dog has to show that it can be calm. It can It can lay down and relax amongst other dogs, other people. And and just, and just the dog understands how to control his emotions and, and, you know, puppies and young dogs, you know, they, they struggle with that. They, they bounce through these levels faster than, than we, we can, we can, we can watch them, you know, but, you know, as they get older, the, you know, a young dog, I mean, a young dog that's been trained to, to, to work and understand and what the handler expects from it, you know, those dogs can stay calm. They, they, They're, they're relaxed. They've been, you've done your socialization, you've done your exposure to different environments, different places. The dog doesn't need to, to go up and escalate. It it can be calm, you know, because you did your legwork. You put in the time.
1: One thing I've noticed too, is you can tell about the, the, the person holding the lead by the way they hold the lead. Do they have it Mm. wrapped up in their fist? Do they got it looped three or four times? Or are they yep. just casually holding it? You can tell what you know right then when you see that what yep. what to expect from that dog. And a lot of times, problems
0: happen because of that
1: leash. Yes,
0: when they're two inch when they have a two inch leash, and they're pulling on the dog because they're insecure, or if they're if they're walk taking their dogs for walks, and another dog a person goes by and they start pulling on the dog, they're they're letting the dog know, hey, hey be alert, something's up.
1: Yeah, they're 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 forcing that dog in that direction because they're putting pressure against it.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and dogs have a position reflex. Opposite, that's you right. Know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: You push, stand up. You pull on them; they pull ahead.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I, I've learned to watch it th- for the lead and look how they're handling it, uh, especially in you know in our classes. That's very important. Like you know, I I, I need them to hold the lead a certain way and. You know your new handlers are doing exactly what we're just talking about, man. They're they're wrapping that thing up, and they got their hand right through it, and they're choked halfway up on the lead. And every time you tell them something, there's always pressure into the collar or the or the harness, depending on what you're doing. And you're like, no, man, you got to relax because when you relax, the dog relaxes. Well, they're afraid to make a mistake.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, uh, mistakes are where learning happens. Everyone's everyone wants their dog to be perfect when you're in class, but. But if you have that loose leash and the dog pulls ahead, well, that's a learning opportunity. If it was a tight leash that you held them next to your side, the dog leads you everywhere you need to go. And there's no learning in that, Mm -hmm. you know, when training a dog, don't be afraid of the mistakes. The mistakes are where learning happens.
1: Yes. And I think, again, we can go back to our egos. I mean, you know, we, we get in the way of that learning process. Most of the time when it's happening, it's because of us it's because of me holding that lead doing exactly what you're just saying well i don't want to mess up i don't there's five people standing especially in a group of people like the pressure is just off the charts like no 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 well yeah i mean this so we can all learn my dog may do that next time yeah so then you go into alert yeah
0: so so an alert dog is also in a learning mindset um they can learn um but they're going to be socially reactive uh to the environment uh they could be distracted kind of ADD a little bit um they're learning but but there's there's other things they're they're multitasking um you know and and they, they're an alert dog is very quick to go to an alarm you yes. know calm dog you know a calm dog it takes a little bit to get him out of that and into the alert you know but an alert dog is very reactive so they they they're going to bounce ahead pretty quickly if 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 you're not paying attention and go right to the alarm
1: yeah and uh, you know i can put i can paint a picture for for your hound guys whether you are don't matter what species you're chasing with a hound when yeah. that when that dog perks up and those ears will come up and kind of go back on the on the back of his head a little bit yeah. you know we got floppy ear dogs too so it's, when you see yeah, that when you see that body posture stiffen and those ears kind of go up and back like it's almost game time right i mean boom like you just said they're paying attention to something and they're getting ready to bolt yep they're
0: they're they're going to do good or bad they're going to do something when, when you see an alert no.
1: <laughs> yeah that's yeah, right it, good it, or bad it,
0: yeah good or bad <laughs> um but you, but you take those, you, you talked about some of the mannerisms that, that, that you see in an alert dog, ears forward, you know, their eyes are fixed. Um, they stand taller. Mm-hmm. Those dogs are, those dogs are ready for business one, one way or the other. Um, they're learning, they can learn. Um, but, but it's, it's a very reactive dog in the end. Mm-hmm. And. But what you did was you you paid attention to that dog. You watched your dog go from um, neutral ears to kind of, you know, just hanging out with you, looking around, just kind of, you know, relaxed. And then you see it transition into that alert state. Okay, well, you become a little more alert. You get focused. Okay, hey, and there's things you can do. You want want your dog back and calm? Well, then you, you can soothe it or you can touch it. Or you can say, hey, knock it off. Or you can, you can give it a correction or, or give it a replacement behavior, heal up. Um, but all of those things, you can, you, you can back up and you can bring your dog out of that alert state and back to that more readily um, better learner in that calm state by, by doing that. And I think you know, the utilization of touch is often you know, neglected. You know, I don't think people think about that. Just simply just taking your hand and touching the touching dog, them, just a little. Snapping them out of it. You no, know, it just resets them. Mm-hmm. You know, the brain goes from that alert to, <laughs> oh, okay, everything's good. You know, but if you tighten up on that leash, you're supporting the dog. Yes. In the state. Yep. You know, you're not relaxing it. You're not backing it up. You're actually pushing it pushing in it pretty quick arm state.
1: Yeah. And I think, too, one of the things you got to hit on with alert, and it is the timing. Like, yeah. you need you know you need to get on that pretty quick or it's like you said good or bad they they're they just rocket launch to whatever is going on um and i like that i like just reach down and you know just touch them
0: just you, you just you just breaking breaking the 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 breaking the where, where their heads at and, oh, and bringing them back to you mm-hmm. and, and it's easy it's very very easy and you know and, and even if need be you step away from the problem turn around come back into the problem kind of ease the dog desensitize them to a situation and then bring them back into, to that, you know, to that learning state, that calm state when the dog's ready. You know, if, if the dog doesn't seem like you know, you know, you're trying to, the dog becomes reactive and you're, and you're trying to teach it. And it's just nobody's home. Then you're going to get frustrated and you're going to bring it to the alarm state because you're going to get angry. So walk away all of the day, come back, When when you're in a calm state, dog's in a calm state, and then no harm, no foul. You know, what's another day?
1: Yeah. Well, and that goes back to that planning and foresight and understanding the process is, okay, yeah, I'm not mentally prepared for this, and it's not fair to my dog. Exactly right. And I've, I mean, I've been more aware of that in, you know, in the last five, six, seven years that, um, in fact, I was, I was in print and pinot. Um, it was working him one day, um, me and Maddie, my daughter. And I don't know what happened, but, man, he, he just he got all over me. Like, I don't know what it was. And I felt, like, my neck getting red and my ears turning. And I just put him in the car. And I was like, what are you doing? I was like, we're going home. Like, we're going home. I had him at the school working him. Um, and I knew, like, I, I caught myself. And that was one of my times I was kind of patting myself on the back. I'm like, yeah, okay, good job. You just worked him out of that and that that worked out perfect and y'all are not causing conflict with each other and um yeah. <clears throat> but it's it's recognizing it's recognizing that stuff and understanding that like like you just i mean you just said it tomorrow's another day we can we can get back on yeah. it tomorrow well one day in the grand scheme of things is not detrimental to anybody or anything
0: you know if you think about it you're gonna come back with a tool too. Yeah. You're gonna go home. You're gonna figure it out. You're gonna be like, "Oh, what was I thinking? I should have done this instead of that." You're gonna you're gonna look it up. You're gonna to talk to folks. You're gonna be like, "Okay, what do I do?" And so you you're not only gonna come back, but you're gonna come back with a plan. And if you see that same behavior, you're gonna know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And it's not motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. All right, what was next? So then, then a dog can go into the alarm state. Mm-hmm. Now, now you're out of the learning mindset. Um, now, now that's a dog that can, can learn, but chances are it's not going to learn. It's going to be more worried about its environment and reactive to what it's seeing in the environment and what's, what's happening to itself than, than any information that you get it. It's not, it's not a good place to be with the dog. Um, they're very emotional, um, emotionally reactive. Uh, they'll, they'll even freeze up and, and they'll be really slow to respond to, to things that knows, you know, some of the rote training that you've done with a dog knows it inside and out, suddenly it's not doing and you're getting frustrated because, you know, the dog knows how to do it. It, it may even come off as disobedient, mm-hmm. you know, and the dog not listening to you. And so you're, 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 you're starting to correct the dog as if it, it, it um, is purposely not listening to you, but in the end it's because it, it's, it's freezing up and it's, and, it's, and it's concerned about something. And so now, now you're correcting and reinforcing that it should be fearful of those things because now it's fearful of you and those things. And so the dog, it just turns into a big mess um, where you could step away from the problem, um, come back with a plan, re- re- re-engage the dog in that scenario in a different mindset, and the dog will just learn instantly. But when it's in that alarm state, it's, it's again it's ADD but a lot more reactive, mm-hmm. and and the, the dog um, could go to fear.
1: And so that, that's not. So how do we how how would you recognize that? What what are some things that you've seen with um, yeah. the alarm state? I know we talked about uh, alert, the,
0: the tail tucking, mm-hmm. you know, the in back. Um, it, it's, it's jumpy, mm-hmm. it's concerned, um, it's ready, it's ready to, to, you know, even like very benign things in its environment that it sees every day. Now it's nervous of, yeah. you know, so someone walks in the room that they don't know, I'm now fearful of that person. I'm, and, and, and my focus is on that and not on you, mm-hmm. you know? So, so it's very, very, very difficult to, to train a dog that that's in that alarm state. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're not, you're not gonna get much out of the dog except a bunch of conflict when you start trying to force it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you start pressuring that dog through the alarm, you'll, you'll be into fear. And...
1: Yep. So let's yep. walk over. Let's go to fear and terror. Cause I, not, this is kind of where I've got a story, but you, you roll with it. Uh, and... Sure. So fear and terror, the, forget it. You're yep. done.
0: You've, you've 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 crossed that bridge. Your dog is now in a, in its natural state of I'm either going to fight, flight, or I'm going mm-hmm. to fight. You you've cornered uh, fear is I'm scared of my environment. Terror is I'm going to I'm I'm just going to react to it. Yep. You know you get into that to that dog that that you know if you're if you're into your correction to the point where your dog is fearful of its well being um, you're, you're, you're doing something way wrong in your training. You're, you're either just not knowing what you're doing or you're responding to your own emotions. But if a dog is fearful of its environment, you know, you can have dogs in fear and terror just because of their genetic makeup. You know, they can move from calm to fear and terror, um, just cause they're not bred right. Mm-hmm. You know have, they don't have the 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 genetics to support what you're asking them. But, you know, we can push our dogs into fear and terror Mm -hmm. and there's, there's very little training that can happen if any at all. Um, when you get into fear and terror, that's, that's a real no go place to go. You know, you're not going to get what you hope for from it. Um, you know, when we talk about egos and things like that, when you're, when you're correcting dogs and you're putting them that deep into the correction where they are fearful of their safety, um, that's not fair to the dog. And you, there's some moral things that go along with that type of training. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And, and since you you train dogs and you travel a little bit, this is where I've seen that fear and terror. The And again, I, I've seen it in the training part, but I've seen it more in the shipping and changing environments. Um, and I'll give you a good example. So I ordered... Um, a dog out of Oregon and um of course it, uh, it was transported i, I got a, a dog from Mike Kemp um Spook and that's why he got named Spook and he's hitting all the buttons that you're already you've talked about um he was he was on a um a van for 6 days coming from across the United States and he went from being in his place that he's accustomed to he was he's he knows it's normal it's safe to being put on a van with two strange guys stopped at multiple stops throughout those those five or six days pulls up in my driveway the the guy asked me what what I want to do with him and I'm like I just turn him loose I live on a farm you know out here on a farm farm country and he's like okay and he kind of gave me that look like are you sure about this and and I'm thinking well, is there something? I don't know. Well, he turns the dog loose. You know, I pay the man. He drives off. Two hours later, I'm still trying to catch this dog, and he's in that fight or flight. Yeah. And yep. he ended up biting me. Um, yep. he, he he I backed him into a corner where I could get my hands on him, and yep. I pushed him a little too much, and I reached down to grab his collar, and, I mean, he, bam, smashed. Um, But I understood what was going on. I yep. understood, hey, wait a second, it, you know, so I got the lead on him, I took him down, I put him in a kennel, and he immediately went and jumped over the dog box and got behind it, yeah, just scared, yep, so I let him calm down for a couple of hours. I went back, um he, every time I'd get clear close to the pen, he would jump in the back, and this went on for. Five it was five days, but I started incorporating the food and I I just got my five gallon bucket, I turned it upside down, and I sat there with food at my feet. And you know, as those days progressed, he got closer and we get closer and we get closer and he finally eat out of my hand. And when he done that, I started you know, he, he started eating and everything was fine. The a little female that I got, Kate, same place, same scenario. She was different. She was okay to be handled as long as you had a lead on her. But once you cut that lead off of her, she gone. Yeah. And she would stay around, but she would not come to you. And it took me a hmm. little bit longer to get her environmentally um, sound. In fact, I got her where she was really comfortable here at the house, and I would put her in a dog box, and it was like, she was flipping out again. So she went from, I got her through the fear stage and then put her right back in it with a change of environment. Um, So I had to wait another month or so to get her adjusted before I could even hunt her. Um, And then, you know, Tara, and I'll I'll ask your opinion on this. So we had a a GSP that we got. I, I may have told you this last time that we got from a vendor, a handler went and picked her out, Brought her home, brought her into the training facility, and literally she just shut down. I mean, if people were in there, she would go behind him and pee. Right, and this is a fourteen-month-old dog.
0: Right, but it, you know, going into that, how, how many, how much time did that dog spend in a kennel? Mm-hmm. How much time did that was that dog exposed to its environment? And taken for walks, and probably, probably zero, mm-hmm. unless there was some genetic fault to the dog, you know, the dog hadn't been brought up, you know, to understand that its environment outside of its kennel is safe.
1: Yep. And you're, you, you are point on Jason. This dog was in Europe until he was 11 months old, raised in a kennel and then tested, put on a plane, flown to the United States, put in another kennel tested some more and they done some hunting exercises with the dog and then we picked the dog up. So that dog within a 3-month period had four different life changes. Yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes people don't re- look at things that way, especially if you're getting dogs from different areas and different, you know, different places and you know if they've been through a lot of transitions, they're not trusting, which puts that fear into them
0: you know and if you haven't if you haven't taught the dog to to trust its environment like you said you know they develop toxic stress you know everything everything is fearful like mm-hmm. they have a coping mechanism to pull themselves down you don't have a relationship with the dog to talk them off the limb so so everything is stressful to the dog and and you did exactly right. You know, you sat down next to the dog, and you're probably using a high pitched tone, something
1: relaxing. And you just <laughs> yeah. got the
0: dog and called it good. You didn't push the dog, mm-hmm. you know. And then, and I imagine Spook uh, became one one really nice dog.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's one of my best. And um, the downfall to that is him and Kate and Trip. All three of those dogs are pretty much they're one man dogs. Um, you can catch spook trips a little hard to catch. Now anybody in the family can catch him easily, not a problem, but if right. he gets into a crowd of people, he's very, he'll he'll stay there. He'll be right there, but it's hard for you to get your hands on him. Um, and
0: I've is worked and worked. He wants, like, everybody doesn't want to be restrained by you, or is it because he's, he's worried about the situation?
1: He's worried. He, I can be standing oh. in the middle of him and holler for yep. him and he will go all the way around him and come in the backside to me mm-hmm. hell he'll come to me um yep. but he it's it's the people um that yep. that it is yep. and but back to the little GSP we had so you know we spent a month and I, I told him to take her back I'm like she can't she she can't work because she's in this state um, right. and then she changed handlers again that handler left new handler got her and in about a month she was like a new doll Bam. He'd spent, he'd done just what you said. He didn't push her. He took her out for walks. He had her around the family. He'd done the things that, that, that needed to be done for her to gain his trust. And yep. she's a, she's a nice, sweet little dog right now.
0: Yeah. Dogs will do endless, endless things for you as long as they trust you. Yes. And when you steal that trust because you had a bad day, you're really setting that dog up to fail. You know, yeah. and, and you, you're desperate to see that dog succeed, but you're setting it up to fail. Yeah.
1: And what you do in two minutes takes a month to fix.
0: Oh, yeah. If then. Yeah. You, know, you know, good training takes a hundred sessions to teach, you know, what you want it to, to learn. You know, it takes one bad session to
1: undo all of that training. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, so true. That's, I mean, the younger me needed this advice. Like, I needed this when I was 20. Right, yeah.
0: You know, I mean, any fear in a dog makes it dumb. You know, I mean, point blank. Fear makes your dog dumb. Yep. Yep. So, when, when you can avoid that at all costs, you're, you'll you'll be far better off. Times where a dog will be fearful of, of, of situations, but um, if, if at all possible, try, try to keep fear out of your training.
1: Yeah. And catch yourself if you're getting to that point. Like if, if your emotions aren't in check and like you like, you know, Jason, you just said it, you know, one one minute of trouble sets you back so long. Right. So with those things that we talked about and the articles that you've wrote, is there anything that you want to add to what we've talked about? Anything that you think we might have left out? I mean, they are so i mean i told you jason after reading some of them and i haven't been through all of them i'm not gonna lie about it um but i've i've read a lot of your opening paragraphs and i've read through several of them you know i told you you know i'm impressed because you're teaching the bird dogs that the stuff that you're doing with your dogs is the same thing i do in the law enforcement community and it's the same thing that i try to apply to my hounds in my training even though it's a different um a task that we're asking them to do so is there anything that that you know, you want to add to it or maybe something that we left out that you wanted to touch on?
0: Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I would add is is get out there and train your dog. Don't be fearful of the process. Your dog needs to be trained. in, in, in worst case scenario, you don't do it perfectly. Well, you just put a tool in your toolbox. You got a little bit better at that, at, at how to train that dog. Um, but don't, don't, don't train with emotions. You know, there's, there's, there's no place for emotions in your training. But get out there and train. You know, you know your 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 hounds need obedience. You need to get those things back on the leash. Your 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 my bird dogs need need to understand that that um, they need to be steady on birds. You know, and that doesn't come because I I give two months of training just before the season. You know, when I when I when I'm on a clock, that's when problems can happen. So just you got this is a great time of year to get out there if it's not hunting season and. And just, just start the training process early.
1: Yeah. I mean, like your, your one article was, you know, reset your dog, just reset it. And I, I mean, there's been numerous, numerous articles written. There's been numerous podcasts done on, you know, you do, you do the bulk of your work in the off season, you know, yeah, for
0: heavy lifting, you know, the, you're, you're, you're setting the stage for, for the fine tuning you do during, during the preseason.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's where the loading and the leading and the call coming to you and the you know I try to do a little trash breaking um when yep. when yep. I'm in the off season. That way but every but every every um opportunity that I get is a training opportunity for me. I don't care what season it is, off season, in season, if it's in season and I can and I can make that a training opportunity, that's why I'm there.
0: In and, and, and no matter what the environment is. It doesn't have to be, okay, well, this weekend we're going to go train, and that's the time you train. Well, you run into a situation that that the dog didn't handle very well. You're going to set that back up, and you're going to retrain that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: No matter where you are.
1: Well, Jason, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time. Um, Your knowledge and experience um, is phenomenal. Like I said, guys, I'm going to post a link to Project Upland so you guys can go read these articles. And I may even copy, uh, post a couple links to these some of these direct articles we talked about, because I feel like if you go read them, you're going to gain something that you can use. You can put in your toolbox and use it. Um, it's just great stuff, Jason. And like I said, I appreciate it. And we appreciate appreciate you um, coming on and spending your time with us. I'm
0: happy to help. always enjoy talking to you, Heath.
1: Yeah, so as we end every podcast jason thank you for helping us teach train and learn you're welcome